it's pretty impressive that this is actually happening, eh? Yeah, I don't know about you guys. It kind of gives me the shivers to see you all again. All, all like this. <laughs> Last time I saw you, I was like, I was like, oh God, they all look better than me. And you still all look better than me. So it kind of pisses me off a little bit. Ding-a-ling-a-ling. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, wait for the whistles, right? If I click the leave meeting, it means that I've dropped out of the race. Yeah. <laughs> Kia everyone, that was the top four from the 2019 Bigs Backyard. No really, all of them. I'm Matt Raymond. I'm Eugene Bingham. And this is Dirt Church Radio, interesting conversations with interesting runners. Eugene Bingham. Yes, Matthew Raymond. I have got my feet into a pair of Scott Kinabalu Ultra RC shoes, like what you've been rocking for the last couple of weeks. And now you see what I've been going on about. They're amazing. Yeah. They are just amazing. This is Scott's new, uh, basically, I guess, lighter weight, less gnarly orientated trail shoe. Um, Great comfort, Mm. great cushioning, got a rock plate in it, plenty grippy, just honestly one of the most comfortable shoes I've ever worn straight out the box and uh, very, very excited about them. I was a bit surprised when you told me they had a rock plate. I yeah, I know. Coming from ground, I thought they'd have a punk plate. Ah, there you ah. go. We've got, we've, he's got, he likes both types of music, oh, punk okay. and rock. Okay. But look, go, <laughs> go to scottrunning.nz and check out the Scott Kinabalu Ultra RC shoe. Um, just fantastic. Thanks a lot, Grant. Right. If you use the code DCR2020 on to be able to get... 15 months of VIP membership for Wild Things for the price of 12. And they have What's that website? Ch- they chip in to help us. Well, I was just going to tell you about some of the deals that you get. Okay, for, go for it. For, you know, because like, it's just as well as being in that elite group of VIPs, you get heaps of access to things like the Trails in Motion film tour in Wanaka. Mm-hmm. You can get right. a, uh, you can get. Uh, a chance to win two free tickets if you're a VIP. Yes, member. what else? Uh, you can get 100 bucks off Run With Frosty on a brilliant Ben Lomond adventure. Oh, right. Yeah, that I'd, sounds cool. Yeah, that yeah sounds I'd cool. like to run with Anna Frost. Yeah. What else? Ben Lomond. Heaps of stuff. And that's the thing. You get to be part of this cool community. By Yeah, Wild well, Things is a real, it's yeah. a real community hub. Yeah, it and is. It certainly is. So if you go to uh, wildthings.org, we always mess this up, frankly. It is wildthings.club, and the code is DCR2020. You get 15 months VIP membership for the price of 12. Why wouldn't you? Boom. Why wouldn't you? So I was on the phone with Rocky from Further Faster, and he Mm -hmm. said to me, and this is a true story, no artistic license, that we should change our jingle. And then Jules, I know, Jules, his wife, shouted at him, loud enough that I heard her uh, on the other end of the phone that he should shut his mouth and that the jingle's awesome and people love it. I'm Team Jules. But, yeah, I'm Team Jules as well. So if you... and, and But Rocky does know his... Uh, he doesn't really know his music, but he does know his outdoors gear and Jules and Rocky own the best independently owned outdoors wear adventure shop 
in the world in Christchurch, Further Faster. If you go to furtherfaster.co.nz and check out their amazing range of gear, adventure, their community, the spirit is just incredible. And here is the amazing jingle. They go something like further, faster, they're in Christchurch. Rocky is hairy and so is Badger. Jules is nice and Jack is delicious. Go further, faster now. Go further, faster, they're in Christchurch. Rocky is hairy and so is Badger. Jules is nice and Jack is delicious. Go further, faster now. Church Radio. Episode 104. We made it. What a whirlwind. It sort of zoomed up on us, didn't it? Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha See what you did there. Yeah. See what you did there. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So last week when we said, a, we said we had a great guest lined up, well, we really, really did. And that guest will be on really soon. But hey, something quite extraordinary happened. And we just jumped at the chance and we had to get it to you as soon as we could. Absolutely. So on Friday, we got a message from Will Haywood, um, the Kiwi who now lives in Hong Kong. And you might have seen him as a shirtless uh, model in Sports Illustrated. But he, what he does, these he does days. some other stuff as well. But he shot to fame as big in Big's Backyard Ultra in 2019 as the last person to DNF. Uh, behind Maggie Gertil. So Will said, look, with the Riverhead Backyard relapse coming up on August 14th, how about um, I see if I get the top four from Biggs together on a Zoom call and would you guys be keen to jump on too? Yeah, and so this message came through and I I flicked it through to Matt and said, what do you reckon? And, well, I really can't say what his response was, but it was the first word was four letters and it was all in caps. And the second word was also all in caps and it was yes with an exclamation mark. It was like four in the afternoon when the message came through. Yeah, yeah. So there was quite a lot of logistics to work through, you know, time zones. For starters, we were in New Zealand, so was Katie Wright, who, you know, remember she ended up fourth. Dave Proctor, who ended up third, was in Canada. Fast Dave. Uh, Will, who, you know, as Matt said, was last one to DNF was in Hong Kong, and of course, Maggie Gutel, the winner, was in Colorado in the States. But hey, why wouldn't we? Yeah, absolutely. So we ended up um, about an hour after our long run on Sunday finished, sitting down for a Zoom call with these four legends, and it was incredible, and we'll bring you that conversation soon. It was quite hard to concentrate during that run, wasn't it? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Get on thinking, oh, I hope we don't get lost, I hope we don't fall over, can't get back to... Break a leg. Yeah, they're all sitting there waiting for us. We're sort of somewhere out of Riverhead. But no, we made it back. All good. We did. It was good. Yeah. How have you been, man? Yeah, man. I'm just... Look, I am... I was reflecting on it over the last little while. I mean, you know, I've been a Monday to Friday guy for six months and a shift work guy for 20 years. And I just... I, I love Monday to Friday. I love the structure that it gives me. I love getting in long runs. Um, really busy with relapse planning and generally feeling pretty grateful for my life right now, if not a bit tired. But, you know, sitting there on the Zoom call with these people after doing what we did on Sunday, I felt really yeah, very grateful and privileged. Yeah. How have you been? Yeah, I've been good. I've been trying to listen to my body and doing a little bit of cycling as active recovery, but i got to say... I find cycling really boring. Is oh, it just me? Come on now. <laughs> no, it might be. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but I'm also, uh, I've been thinking about, I'm seriously tempted by an event which has got me thinking. I've been sounding out some others. Um, 
I am signed up for Rotorua Marathon. I'm pacing the four-hour pack, and I'm looking forward to doing that. And I'm also really looking forward to getting, getting down to Kepler in December. Absolutely. So we'll have to see how that other thing slots in if it does. Stay tuned. I mean, and, and to the listeners out there, I generally had to quiz Eugene. You did. Today when I read the outline, I was like, well, is it this? And he said, uh, yes, it is. So. Uh, Look, well. It's not, it's not that exciting. But no, anyway, yeah. Not right. as exciting as this. Right, we talk a lot about running, but we, we do. don't really talk about the opposite of running, not the exact running. opposite, not not running, sleeping. Ah. Yeah, and it's so important, um, we all know that, but it's so hard to make sure we get enough, right? I've been trying to stick to some firm plans, you know, staying, you know, first of all, starting with actually making a plan um, to set a time to go to bed, to get off devices, to clear the head, and it's kind of been working except for the other night when neighbours had an alarm fault and their alarm kept beeping all night. Right. That was pretty annoying. That wasn't in my plan. Anyway, it takes discipline, doesn't it? And when you're on the couch in the evening and it just seems easy to stay slumped there rather than get to bed, you just, you know, you got to do it, don't you? And it, and it pays off. And I've been thinking about how you, Matt, have been adapting to working, you know, these semi-regular hours after so many years on shift work. It must have made a hell of a difference to your sleep patterns. Yeah, it, I mean it has absolutely. I, I've, I've, you know, being able to go to bed, like I'll happily go to bed. At, I, I'd go to bed now. Like I would fall asleep now if you clicked your fingers. Um, and I happily go to. He didn't. Happily go to bed at like eight o'clock at night, eight thirty at night, and I find myself doing that. And yeah, having an extra two, three hours of sleep a night. Yeah, it really makes a difference for muscle recovery, uh, psychological recovery, <laughs> like yeah. all those things like weight regulation. Yeah. Um, well, there's just so much that goes on inside the body when we're asleep that, you know, it's, who, uh, who was it? Was it Steve Magnus saying if uh, somebody could put what happens to you, your body during sleep into a pill, mm. it would be on the water list. Yes, that's true. You know, absolutely. And he didn't say that, but it's like you know, it's like a huge performance enhancer, isn't it? Sleep, and we can all do it, but we're all a bit terrible at making sure we do it properly. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I find I, I'm the same. I will get off screens, and um, I find a heavy book, mm. like a, a a weighty not not necessarily. I'm not reading like Foucault or anything like that, but a like a heavy book. I find like a big book. I always read a big book. Oh. Yeah. So even just like a dictionary. Yeah, maybe a dictionary mm. and fall asleep and whack me in the face. But anyway, um, yeah, sleep is a genius. Yeah. Right. Topo marathon results from over the weekend. And there was a really good battle, <clears throat> excuse me, at the front of the race between Ben Twyman and Carl Reed. So Carl, Carl was on episode 96. She yep. didn't seem that long ago, but no, it that's, doesn't. that's getting getting quite a while ago now. Absolutely. <laughs> and he gave a bit of a rundown on his social media. So it says, epic battle with Ben this morning at the Topo Marathon. We went at it for 36 kilometres. We were running pretty solid on a good, tough marathon course. I was leading the whole way up to 36k, and I thought to myself, I will try to drop this young bugger going through the next aid station. But Ben had the same idea, and before oh. I knew it, I was dropped. I tried to hang on, but the bungee cord broke pretty quickly. Legs felt smoked, and I groveled through the last four kilometers to finish in 42, oh, 42 seconds behind Ben for the silver. It was bloody good racing, and I gave it a good nudge. Marathon running is hard. This is from a man who has <laughs> won Ultraman. Pretty stoked. Twice. To, pretty stoked to get a PB of 240.52 on a pretty good, tough course. Great day for it, and the sport was top notch. 
awesome. And he yeah. shouts out his coach, Craig Kirkwood, as well. Yeah. Yeah. So Ben won in 2.40 and 10. Carl was second, obviously. And then third was Kendon Gibson in 2.48.04. Wow. Yeah. And in the women's race, it was uh, Kath Delaporte dominating, really, with three hours, 20.46, 17 minutes ahead of second place, Rebecca Bailey, with... Nicole Nayhouse. Nayhouse, third in 340.33. In the woman's half, it was our old mate, I mean, from 90-something episodes ago, Mel Aitken. Oh. She won in one hour, 22 and one seconds. One seconds. Back at it, smashing about. She said it was great to be back out there racing again. Um, and if you know Mel or heard of you know her 2019 season, she was mm. out there most weekends yeah. winning something. Um, Sue Crowley. Two minutes and 21 seconds back in second, and Fiona Doherty Olsen was third in 126.27. Amazing. And, yeah, and the men's half, Michael Voss had a good five minute lead, winning in 108.48 ahead of Casey Thorby. Oof. Second in 113.03. Cameron Paul was just over a minute behind him in third. And the FKTs keep coming. They do. Yep. Sophie Brown in Australia said a woman's FKT on the Bondi to Manly Walkway in New South Wales. Seven hours 15 for the trail along the coastline, which is about 77 kilometres. It's the third fastest time overall. Yeah. What an effort. And this is this is really cool because yeah. I was keeping an eye on Craig Kirkwood's Instagram and they had the Athletics New Zealand Endurance Camp. Did you see that? They're all running yeah. out on the trail. And mm. Sam Tanner. Yeah. Broke a nearly 30-year-old New Zealand record for the under-20s 3,000 metres. Now, it's not trail, it's not road, it's track running. It's incredible. He ran 7.57.57, beating uh, Potts' record of eight... Richard Potts. Richard yeah. Potts' record of eight minutes and 20 seconds in Mar from March 1991. Oh, no, his, no, that's, no, that's eight, eight minutes flat, point two. Oh, sorry, eight yeah. minutes. That's right. I'm sorry. Eight, eight point minutes. Zero, zero. And 20 milliseconds. We're used to dealing with eight hours. Yeah. <laughs> Zero minutes, minutes and 20 minutes. <laughs> From March 1991. Yeah. And his pacer, yeah. uh, whose name eludes me, unfortunately, also came in under the record at yeah. 7.59. Yeah. So, so Sam holds the New Zealand under 20, 1,500 metres at 338.74, mile at 358.41, and now 3,000 metre records for under 20. Oof. And in the women's, Camille Buscombe, uh, she, in the 3,000, she ran nine. Zero zero point two seven, which I think is possibly a PB. I'm relying on a friend who was watching and giving updates on that. Amazing. Sean, yeah. when we were running with him on Sunday, said I'd be happy with two kilometres of that pace. But yeah. I, but I think he's sandbagging. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, hey, just a quick word about our mate Billy Fung, who ran 32 summits of Mount Eden, 46 kilometres, 2,700 metres of climbing, Almost six hours as a cancer fundraiser on Friday. Yeah. Amazing, Billy. And that's just him being a millennial and leaving everything to the last minute because that's just the laps he had left to run on like the mm. last day of the challenge. He did it as part of Dry July and he went up the Maunga 136 times over the month, 13,000 metres of vert and 300 kilometres. Well done, bro. Yeah. Hey, you'll hear about this during our conversation with the Fabulous Four, but Courtney Dewalter is heading off to run 500 miles. That's 500 miles across Colorado. She's running from Durango to Denver, and she posted this. She's finally going to take it. I'm finally going to take a crack at 500 miles, heading out on the Colorado Trail next week to test myself on a new distance. What does it feel like to run that far? Mm, I think I know the answer. I'm excited to find out. Pain Cave, here we come. Um, and she says she's going to post a link for her tracker once she starts. And you'll hear more about that from Maggie. And all the, the interesting complications of the world we mm. live in about, you know, how does one, you know, <laughs> say tactfully to well wishes, wish us well, but 
Wish us well from afar. Mm. Right. Greatest, Greatest run, run ever. ever. Greatest run ever. Greatest run ever. Which is mm. the part of the show where we ask you to write in and tell us your greatest run ever. It doesn't have to be setting the FKT on the Colorado Trail. It could just be a run around the block, something that's sung to you for some reason. You can send it in to us at dirtchurchradio at gmail.com. And this is from Tanya Lee Parker. It's taken me lots of episodes to actually put pen to paper, so to speak. I live here in Singapore and are from Rotorua originally. A friend of mine, Cat Webb, a.k.a. Teenage Turtle, put me onto you guys when we went into our version of lockdown. Over here, it is called CB, which is Circuit Breaker. We did eight weeks at level four. It was challenging, especially as I live in an apartment. We're currently in New Zealand's equivalent of level three, having been in this for two weeks and probably got another two weeks to go. Fingers crossed. Anyway... On my afternoon walks after work, I'm a teacher, so I've had 10 weeks of online teaching from my living room. Tomorrow is our last day of the school year when we have a seven-week-long summer holiday, except we can't leave the island as our work passes won't get renewed. So we're all stuck here with nothing open, museums, parks, beaches, pools, art galleries, shops, nothing. And it's very hot today, 35 degrees. Anyway, during online teaching, I would get out and walk my neighborhood listening to your podcast at the end of the day. I started at number one. Wow. <laughs> and I'm now at number 58. Each walk, I listen to the greatest run ever stories. They're so amazing. And many bring a wee tear to my eye as I walked the concrete jungle neighborhood. Well, on my greatest, well, onto my greatest run ever. Living overseas, I've been in lots of amazing races in Vietnam, Saudi Arabia, Jeddah, uh, Taiwan, and China. I won a few. I'm not fast in New Zealand standards, but when you're in Asia, you come up looking good. I actually, won the Great Hakka International Marathon in China when I was 50, and then went back the following year and defended my title as a 51-year-old. It's a marathon that was off-road and through the middle of houses. Absolutely stunning. The Hakka people are related to the Maori. Something I didn't know. Yeah. I grew up a swimmer, basketball player, and gymnast. I ran at school just because, as a swimmer, I ended up being an okay runner, and it was another school team I could be part of and have more days off school. I didn't really train too much, specifically at high school, but as most of my time was taken up by swimming or basketball. But my dad was a runner, and that was part of the Nongataha Track Club. So occasionally he took me out on the into the Walker Forest for some runs. At the time, I used to moan and groan as he used to always take me on the purple track in the Redwoods. And this meant going up Tokorangi Pa track and then back down the other side by the stream before navigating back around Nursery Hill and back to the car. Have you ever run Tokorangi Pa? Mm. Oh, amazing. Yeah. As a teenager, I hated going up Tokorangi Pa, but when we got to the top, the view was always stunning. Dad would make me stop and just breathe and take in the view out over Lake Rotorua and Mount Nongataha. No matter the weather, we always stopped up there but then came my favourite part of the run, the downhill on the other side of the mountain. I loved it and used to hoop and holler as I raced down to the bottom and down to the stream. Dad was always behind me on the downhills. Once back at the car, I always felt good after the run, as you do. In my seventh form year, my dad passed away from cancer and his wish was to have his ashes scattered at the top of the pass. So we took him up there. Now, every time I come home at Christmas time on Christmas morning, I run to the top of the pa to say hello to dad and then to breathe and look at the view, just as dad taught me to appreciate all those years ago as a teenager. Wow. Tanya, thank you so much. Thank you so, so much. I yeah. spent a couple of years living in Rotorua, as did Eugene, and um, I used to go up Tokurangi Pa a lot on mm. my single-speed mountain bike, and it used to break me every single time that you mm. get to the top. There and you go. Wow. Mm. And that's a, a really special reason to keep going up there, Tanya, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, yeah. Wow. Thank you so, so much. Right. 
On to our show, The Fabulous Four. Maggie Gutel from Colorado in the States, Will Hayward, the Kiwi in Hong Kong, Dave Proctor in Canada, and Katie Wright, the expert adopted Kiwi in New Zealand. So that's a bit of a cheat sheet for the accents. Yes. Uh, and Maggie, Everyone's pretty good at saying And Maggie and Katie are women and David. Yeah. So there's that too. There's that too. And then there's us two idiots in the mix as well. But look, the last time they all saw each other was at Big's Backyard Ultra in Tennessee in October 2019. And, you know, it's a Zoom call. And we all know now that they can get a bit hectic. Um, but we've tidied it up and hopefully there's not too much of the speaking over each other stuff we've come to expect from these six-headed global get-togethers. But apologies for any sound snafus. Another thing to know beforehand, there's a bit where they all start talking about an email from Laz. I didn't get it, did you? No, I didn't get the email either. No. <laughs> Obviously, that's Lazarus Lake, who had been talking to them about an idea for a remote Biggs backyard, but then they go on to explain it. So all should be revealed. Uh, without further ado, here's a conversation with four legends, and there is something in here for everyone, whether you're a beginner an elite, uh, you know, just someone who's interested in human beings. This is a fascinating conversation. Ditch Radio. Hey, how's everyone doing? We're doing well. well. I've just woken up, so I'm pretty good. <laughs> hey, Eugene. Um, yeah. This is Dave. Dave, Eugene. Hi, Dave. We've not met before. Hey, Eugene. How are you doing? Good. And you? Nice to meet you. Good to meet you. I'm well. I'm well, thanks. It's pretty impressive that this is actually happening, eh? Um, right. Yeah. So is everyone here? Yeah, yeah. Oh, look at us. That's strange. Again, I don't know about you guys. It kind of gives me the shivers to see you all again, all, all like this. <laughs> Last time I saw you, I was like, I was like, oh god, they all look better than me, and you still all look better than me. So it kind of kind of pisses me off a little bit. Yeah. Ding a ling Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, wait for the whistles. Right? If I click the leave meeting, it means that I've dropped out of the race. <laughs> Where's your whistle, Katie? I was, I was literally just going to say, I think it's downstairs somewhere. I should have found it. I've still got it. <laughs> and was I've it, got mine in the, in the kitchen. I could go grab it from the backyard relapse if you want. <laughs> so are you guys, any of you planning, I think Will's not, but are any of you planning on doing one of like the satellite races or is there like one planned? And like, Well... I, we're doing an actual backyard ultra in two weeks. We're doing the Riverhead backyard uh, relay. It's called the relapse, Riverhead relapse. Yeah. Uh, so we're, 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 we're doing that. That's cool. Are you guys a race director? Yeah. I am. Yeah. So it's, Wait. yeah, it's, it's actually, we're having a meeting with Sean. Sean and Mads are coming over today, Katie, to kind of nut stuff out. Nice. Sorry, Maggie, go. I was asking Katie, she's going to run. I I am probably foolishly. I'm just coming back from being injured for, um, for a month or so. I'm literally just getting back into it, so I probably shouldn't be running. But um, uh, too much fear of missing out. Yeah, there is that. <laughs> to answer your question, Dave, we've got 77, so we kept it arbitrarily at 77 for the last person standing. So we've got 77 in the last person standing. That's full. And we had 77 relay teams, and I think we're up over 50 relay teams. And we've also got a, a one-person solo 24-hour event that's going as well. I'm not quite sure how many people are in there, but it's going to be – yeah, it's it's pretty stacked. So That's pretty cool. That's mm. really cool. Especially, in, for, especially for Riverhead in August. It's, yeah, I was going to say mid-winter. Mid, <laughs> mid it's going to be pretty damp, right? 
Um, yeah. So although it's pretty, it's it's weird. We're kind of in a, a cold, like Auckland's in a drought at the moment, even though it's cold and like so it's not being as wet as it can be. But yeah. Mm-hmm. So Will, when you arranged this, I thought you were going to spring on us that you were actually all in quarantine in Auckland and had come down to run <laughs> Riverhead Relapse. So is that not the case? I try. Uh, well, you'll, you'll find out in two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> I think being an American, I'm not allowed in any of the countries, so it's mm. not happening. Yeah, it seems like there's a worldwide band, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure yeah. We, we could find a way to get you all here, I'm sure. There'd be a loophole. It, we know, we know people. Still only, only Kiwis allowed? Uh, only Kiwis and James Cameron and America's oh, okay. Cup races. Right. So there are exemptions allowed, yeah. So was the last time that you all saw each other literally at Biggs? Yeah. Yes, correct. Uh, Will and I caught up at Christmas, eh? Oh, that's true. That's true. Yes. Yes. Had a beautiful day around the Abel Tasman. It was stunning, eh? I'm going to say that Will looks a lot better right now than when I saw him last. (laughs) I feel quite a lot better. (laughs) After the race, Will and I are standing there talking to Laz. Uh, Well, Will hadn't said anything yet. And he started talking about Will and... And, and how bad he looked, and then like he realized you were like, I'm standing right here. And he's like, Oh my god, I didn't even recognize you. You look like a human being now. And like, that's <laughs> great. Yeah, but even even that next day, like that, that next morning, when you know when we had like breakfast and, the, and then went out there, like seeing now, you know, the video that's in Fabian's movie, I'm mm-hmm. like, Oh my god, I look like terrible. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it took about a week before I became human again. <laughs> Let's do it again. <laughs> right. So, Eugene, how are we going to do this, man? What's the... We are doing it. What are you talking are about? Are we doing it? This yeah, is well, it? This yeah, is yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. But how... I mean, I, I mean, that was such an extraordinary thing to have gone through. And you couldn't... N- never have imagined what we've been through in the last few months. It's just... It's alien upon alien, isn't it? Something. Yes, in a word. Pretty, pretty disappointing that we're not going to be able to, you know, all go back and get the band back together. Yeah. Along with, mm. with some other pretty good uh, musicians who were also planning to be there. Well, it was looking, I mean, uh, the, the race entry, the starter list was, was so stacked, right? And mm-hmm. it was like everyone said, I mean, who knows how far it would have gone on. I was like talking a lot because you guys <laughs> all got the email that said what he's trying to do, right? And, the, right. and there's only like 30-something people in there right now. Half are like from the U.S. and the other half are from other countries. And he's counting on no one being able to come. And I was like, well, I, I told him, I was, I'll, I'll be there, you know, if we can get there, if things don't get worse. Um, but like, it'll be such a weird dynamic if these like really, I feel like he's really trying to have um, like simultaneous, like at the same time, these races start in other countries. And he's like, it's not virtual. I'm like, but it really is virtual. Cause like, mm. what if like, it was just me and Will left and Will's all the way on the other side of the country. Like I can't see him. It's just weird. You know, like right. you're alone so, basically. It's, it doesn't seem real. I mean, I don't know. It's just like, yeah. it's a bummer. Like it changes the whole thing. Well, yes and no. Like, so, so you know, if you guys don't mind, I can, I can answer that because, because last called me about two weeks ago. Um, so, We've been putting on those quarantine backyards, right? So we put on a couple of those, and, and they've been stellar. I mean, in the last one, we ended up doing a lot more of a, like a broadcast. Like we did this green screen, and we had this TSN booth. That, you know, it was, it was I thought it was pretty rad. And so about two weeks ago, Laz called me, and he was like, hey, number one, I like your broadcast. You look great. Number two, 
he said, I've got this idea. And, you know, whenever Laz has an idea, like it's, it means that a lot of people are going to hurt and, and, and everything. So you're like, okay, okay. What, what, what do you got? And he's like, so what do you think if we ended up having the top, let's call it, you know, 15 runners in the United States all come to Bell Buckle, Tennessee. And we, we keep it small so that we can end up having everybody at distance. Cause Laz is really concerned about, you know, social distancing and, and, and quarantine. Like he's, he's, he's pretty, he's, he's pretty, pretty concerned about that. Yeah. And he says, Dave, it doesn't really make a lot of sense for me to allow you from Canada to come down, you know, get COVID because it seems like everybody in America has COVID and then bring it back to your beautiful country. And said, I don't want that. Right. So he says, number one, if we could end up having 15 people in the States and he says, Dave, can you captain a team up in Canada where you get the top ultra runners all together in like literally your backyard and you run out from there and we'll get some, a group in Sweden to do that in Norway and New Zealand and, 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 and. And he said, and all at the same time, we can end up broadcasting that start finish line to Canada. So we would broadcast that and we are going to, we are going to broadcast it. And so we're going to end up having like 20 or 30 different countries that are represented. So we can own five minutes. We'll say, okay, this five minutes, we're going to go off to the race director in Germany. Uh, hey, how are things there? How many runners do you have left? How's everybody looking? What's the temperature like? Uh, whatever. And so really ultimately you and so in Canada, we're going to be done our race when there's one person left standing. So we, of course, we now know, you know, like last year's Vegas, Maggie won and Willie ran one less than, than Maggie. So you can only run 60 because, you know, Will only ran 59, right? And so in Canada, we would be done when the first place runner runs first, further than the second place runner. So essentially what's really important is the assist because let's oh, okay. face it, let's say there's four, four countries left, right? Let's call it, New Zealand, Sweden, Canada, and, and, and the United States. And let's say there's two runners left in Canada, and it looks like the Swedes aren't looking very good, right? Or, well, New Zealand, I mean, come on. And so, you know, what I'm going to say to the, the assist or whomever, it's like you guys have to stick it out. Like it's, a, it's more of a team effort than yeah. to, to, to drive up from going from fourth to third and third to second and things. So, so it's going to be more of that. So really these are small satellite gatherings of the best runners within those countries that are all going to be running and competing country to country does that does that make sense guys yeah that's cool i like that dynamic a little more it makes it even more like you know it's still a team effort even when it comes down to two but then it's also a competition but like right. if you want the american team to go the farthest then you need two people to hang in there longer than like the canadians right that, exactly. that's kind of cool <laughs> yeah and I'll, I'll i'll just say right now guys i'm stacking my team like the, the Canadian team is looking really good. And so Maggie, if you're running in the States as well too, this has been going to be broadcasted, right? So yeah. you're going to be a, see a big screen down in bigs and they're going to be doing interviews, let's say with me and let's say you and I are still out there 50 hours. I can trash, tra trash talk you. Like I'm going to be like, <laughs> yeah. hey Maggie, I could see you sitting there. You, you don't look very do good. Yeah, I'll, I'll hold up a candy apple. How about that? Yeah, I was going to say, you know, like a dozen of those or something. Right, right, right. So, no, I, I think it's going to be really rad. Like, the crazy thing about bigs in, in the past is that we're relying upon uh, Jane Smoke and Hillbilly from Tennessee to write a poem to announce who's left and what's going on. And everybody has to discern what the hell that means. Uh, but now we can end up broadcasting it like a, like a broadcast. And going back and forth and, and bringing up all the numbers and talking about the numbers with time off feet 
and how many runners are left in the States versus Sweden or whatever it is. I think it's, I think it's going to be pretty cool and pretty kind of viewer friendly. I'd say yeah. even a, at a bit of a disadvantage by our small size, but um, not having enough people around. But we, we, we seem to do pretty well um, so far. So we just need to get uh, people willing to do it again in a couple of weeks, well, a couple of months' time, eh? Absolutely. Yeah, me too. <laughs> so, Maggie, what we I mean, what are, what are you up to? You, you you had a very sort of strict time window. I mean, you're not going to be doing any sort of backyard stuff, but you were going out with Courtney DeWalter. Oh, yeah. Well, it's kind of funny. So my last race was Biggs, and that might be my next race. <laughs> <It's> nuts. <laughs> so, but I injured myself during Dave's corn, first quarantine backyard. Um, Did you hurt yourself? Yeah, I had a... Well, so it manifested in my SI joint. I didn't know what kind of pain that was, so it took me a while to figure it out. Plus, we were, like, pretty locked down, so I couldn't go anywhere to get a diagnosis. Um, but... So I'm on the mend and I have these PT exercises and it should be good. But now I'm, so it's going to be kind of like a jump start to training. Like I have a pretty good base now, but yeah, I'm going to go with Courtney for her Colorado trail attempt and I'm going to pace her a lot and we probably won't sleep much. So it'll be a good kind of training. And then, you know, I'll take it into, you know, the next couple months to train for this and we'll see what happens. Um, and that's 500 miles. Yeah, it's just under 500 miles. Yeah. How, how many paces does she have? Um. So she just obviously she's Courtney, and so everyone's gonna want to show up and stuff. So like, you know, she has the Garmin tracker, and she's gonna try and have Kevin tell people to leave or whatever if they show up at the trailheads, or she's gonna say on social media, you know, please like watch from afar. You know, all that stuff people have done for different FKTs and. Um, so it's like, there's an RV and then there's like, I'm going to go along with a photographer, Howie Stern. Um, so I'll have those two cars and then they have like a Solomon Vans shooting like some films. So it's like Jamil Curry and this other girl. Um, so the Pacers are basically me and Kevin and her buddy Stan and this guy, Patrick, who's actually her PT person who helped her when she had her injury. So they have like a PT person on staff, which is cool. Um, That's so cool. Dave. What's the FKT? Like, well, what's, what's, what's the record and what, what does she want to do? Well, I probably can't say what she wants to do, but you can, you can do, you know, take it for what you want. Um, but the men's record's like eight days and 30 minutes and the women's is like nine days and, and something. Um, there's a guy on the trail now, um, but his tracker stopped working at a certain point and we did we haven't heard anything. So I don't know how he's doing. Um, mm-hmm. So we'll see, but yeah, take that for, you know, whatever you, you want. We'll see. It, it's, you know, she doesn't, obviously she doesn't do things like only just to beat records. She just wants to see if she can run 500 miles. I'm like, I don't think we doubt you can run 500 <laughs> miles. It's really like, how fast is it going to be? Like, so, um, yeah, we'll see. I'm just worried about keeping up with her. <laughs> so... <laughs> And, and you'll be socially distancing the whole time, and yeah, I mean it'll be hard for the crew. But I mean, mm. I've been ha- I've been going up to Leadville to hang out with Courtney, but I don't hang out with too many people other than a couple runners from Silverton. Um, so yeah, and that's part of the reason they're trying to dissuade people from coming yeah. out. Yeah, so they're keeping it to RV people, and then me and Howie, and hopefully, you know, we don't cause a circus or something. So. 
And what sort of what sort of terrain is it? it and it goes from um, Durango to Denver. Is that right? Yeah. So she's going to start in Durango, which is where I live, and then go to Denver, which is near where she lives. Um, the terrain is well. The San Juan parts were super hilly, and a lot of it's above tree line. So like. You know, I'm going to run a section with her at night. It's like 30-something miles. And it's in like about eleven to 12,000 feet. Uh, sorry, I don't know meters. Maybe 3,000. 3, yeah, 3,000. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's pretty high. Uh, I don't know, like the middle section, it's interesting because like it's kind of remote and not a lot of people go there. Uh, the mountains are smaller, but it's still like a pretty high desert. So it'll be cool to see it all. But, yeah, some of it's smooth, some of it's rocky and big climbs, mellow climbs. Wow. It's wow. going to be amazing. And so yeah. that, and that's good training for you. Yeah. Good, good humiliation training too because <laughs> <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, if I can't, I don't know, we'll see. I had some breathing problems too since like all year because I had bronchitis at the beginning of December. Um and I've had to convince people I didn't have COVID because, like, that timeline doesn't make sense. It was pretty textbook bronchitis, but um, I went to the doctor and I figured out, like, we have that I have asthma. So it, that was kind of slowing me down, too. So I'm hoping that having an inhaler now, it's just been a mess. 2020 is, like, really sucks. Yeah. <laughs> but luckily, there's no races, so whatever. Yeah, like like Eugene said, who would have thought uh, the last – like, at the – even, you know, in December or when we caught up well when we ran the Tehinga Trail last end of last year, you know, that we'd be we were talking about it in Hong Kong or with stuff that was happening there and that was unprecedented and, and you know, there were bushfires in the in, in Australia that were pretty cataclysmic. That seems relatively straightforward now, hey. Yeah. It's what's, what's going the run on. Run of the mill climate change problems. Yeah, yeah that's fine. Mm. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and social unrest. Although you ran in a, although you ran in a typhoon yesterday, Will. Uh, I did. Although, so this is typhoon season, uh, but it's been we we haven't had any, which has been a bit disappointing. Uh, so we had one really small one, and it's not a direct hit. So it's basically pretty wet and a bit windy, but nothing crazy. So I went out. I, I hope to get like torrent, torrentially rained upon, but in the end, I got I don't know, a couple showers. How disappointing. Actually, pretty, probably, yeah. probably, probably pretty similar to what Riverhead's going to be like in, in a couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah. It's such. I mean, it's <laughs> it's such strange. I mean, again, it's the weather's just a bit mad. You know, like we live on an so Auckland's on what it's an isthmus, right? It's like eleven kilometers in the middle, coast on both sides, and and subtropical wet. It's you know, well, you grow up well, you know what it's like. Um, and it's dry. It's like even middle of winter. It's it's very dry. And Katie, you know what it's like as well, having spent all those hour upon hour. Are you looking forward to going back there? Yeah, definitely. I don't actually. I, I probably couldn't take you on the same route that um, the course was last year, to be honest. Even though I uh, did it a good few times. <laughs> well, um, it's, but, it's different this yeah, year. New course this year. Um, and uh, road overnight or gravel road overnight? Gravel road and trail overnight, yeah, but more, yeah. I do keep hearing reports of it being like a slip and slide at the moment, despite being some dry or dry for the time of year. Yeah, I mean, it's riverhead dry, but it is is wet 
I know that sounds kind of like it is slippery in, in parts, but yeah, we, we might. Sean, Sean uh, when we were running the when he did his uh, two hundred miles around Auckland to train for the for the relapse, he was talking to me about he wanted me to go out and dig some drainage ditches <laughs> in some of the bigger bells. <laughs> so I've got that look to look forward to in the next couple of couple of weeks. So. Nice. How is he yeah. recovering? Look, you, I mean, for those of you who don't know Sean Collins, he's one of the most laconic men on the planet. I said to him, how are you, Sean? He goes, good. And that was, that was it. I was like, how's your Achilles? He's like, yeah, good. And that was our conversation. So, yeah, no, tracking well, I guess. Nice. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's uh, looking like a good field um, to, to start. I think we're going to go a lot longer than last year. Yeah. We've got gathered here, you know, some of the best, uh, well, the best – um, backyard comp- uh, competitors in the world. So, if anyone's lining up for their first backyard attempt, what bit of advice would you pass on to them? Just Ma- don't stop. Easy as that. <laughs> oh, easy. <laughs> Maggie, what do you what do you reckon? Yeah, I mean, you just go into it, and and you know, if you won't be the last person, exactly, just don't stop. Don't have a goal. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's I think it's hard for, you know, for for people to go into races with with no end. Right. You know, you run a hundred mile race and you're 80 miles in, you know, the end is in 20 miles and that's what you can wrap your head around. Um, So, yeah, no, I think there's a lot of things. I think that, you know, number one, um, you know, just take every minute, you know, for what it is. You know, I remember even Maggie, you you were asking me on the course, you're like, Dave, you have to tell me that we're going to be here until 72 hours. Right. And I was like, Maggie, I, I, I'm pretty sure I can control, like I can, I can do this lap and then I'm going to do enough to get out on the next one. And I know that. Right. And so, so like, like for me, it's, it's like, okay, I, I can control what I'm going to do this loop and then uh, know very well that I'm going to get out on the next one. And that's, that's it. So just, you know, taking one loop at a time um, and, you know, doing your best. Um, I guess number two would be, I don't know, you know, try to manage those messages that are coming in, like like the whistles and the bell, right? Um, as well, too, I find that these races, like even at Bigs last year, right, guys, we they, we end up having the the, the cheerleaders, which you know they're, they're telling you all these terrible messages, like you should stop and this is really hurts and, and all those things, but to then you know listen to them and take that as a as a clear you know clear message of like yeah maybe this isn't a good choice and maybe these are a bunch of stubborn sons of sons of guns out here along with me, you know, like it's, it's not really all that helpful to, to, to take in that message instead of like, yeah, I'm doing okay. You know, I'll, I'll keep going and I'll just drink some more water and I'll eat some more food and change up my socks and, and everything will be okay. So yeah, just, you know, to manage those messages that are coming in for, 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 for first time backyarders. So number one tip, don't listen to the cheerleaders. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 Or even a lot of the crew members or uh, I don't know how things are going to be in, you guys' race when it comes to um, spectators and things like, you know, typically you kind of don't want a lot of spectators, but people don't really know what to say outside of like, oh my God, aren't you in so much pain? And you're like, that's not helpful. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's just not, right? And so, I don't know. Uh, And as well, too, there's other runners that were on the course last year that were talking about, you know, their blisters and a lot of, and I would just try to run away from them or trying to fall back away from them because I don't know, misery loves company. And I just don't want to fall into that, you know, and start believing that, yeah, I'm in a lot more pain than really what I'm in. So that's why you became Fast Dave. Yeah, I try, yeah, I try to get away from everybody so that, uh, that I wouldn't have to hear the misery, right? 
Dave, didn't you do some operant conditioning with the whistle uh, prior to last year's bigs? Yeah. So, so yeah, about that. Um, so, Pavlov's dog over here. Right. Yeah, Pavlov's <laughs> dog theory. Right. So I I was listening to to Laz, So I brought Laz's up to to help race direct with the race up in in Canada. And he he kept going on and on and on about in the years past at, at bigs. Everybody's response to the whistle. Right. And he said, you know, you blow the whistle and he, I don't know, like, do, did you guys all realize like, like Laz would blow the whistle and you would look around at everybody. And he was trying to like pick out who would be that one that's just like starts to shiver. Right. You're like, oh, not that whistle again. And, you know, like you, you cower a little bit. Right. And he says, once you start cowering, once you start, you know, hearing that whistle and cowering, because that's the message that comes in. If you start taking that as like, oh, no, I've got to get out and do another one. Like you're, you're pretty much done fairly soon. So I got thinking about that and I was talking with a friend who's a psychologist up in Canada here and he's, he's going on about Pavlov's dog theory when I was talking to him about that. And he said, yeah, like, you know, if you blow a whistle, you kick a dog, you blow a whistle, you kick a dog, the dog's going to cower, you blow a whistle, you feed the dog, the dog's going to salivate. And he says, what, what are you doing between, you know, now, back before Biggs and Biggs in order to, to try to, you know, activate that, you know, part of your brain i'm not, not a smart guy like, like like katie is and so to be able to figure out uh how to manage that and how to get up and salivate instead of cower because i do that all the time in my racing where you end up hearing um something and you're like oh god you know where you know a storm comes blowing in and you're like oh bloody hell like this is this is not good so i would end up blowing uh, blow, carrying a whistle around my house and I'd blow my whistle and i'd go and kiss my kids and i'd blow a whistle and eat good food um, yeah. And so, you know, I, 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 I actively did that before bigs, uh, just to try to, to train myself to, to get out on the course. And what about you, Will, as a doctor of psychology? I mean, that's. <laughs> I, endorse, I endorse that theory, although I haven't, I haven't tried it for myself. <laughs> and what about you? Do you have any advice for a first time, uh, last person standing entry? I mean, I think, I think, you know, the thing about a backyard is, is it's just the weight that, Kids to begins to grow, you know, heavier and heavier and heavier on your shoulders, and eventually it gets too much, and people say, "Okay, that's enough." So it's a matter of trying to, you know, keep that keep that weight from from building. So that's why I think, you know, having fun is important. It's important to chat to those people around you. And the you know the great thing about the backyard is that unlike a normal race where everyone seems to run away from you or runs behind you, and you're stuck with like you know one or two people, uh, in the backyard you're you're running with everyone. Doesn't really matter how fast you are, um, and you'll find as you go round and round and round, you will find a whole bunch of the same people running at the same pace. And if you're there for 24 hours, you know, you've got plenty of time to chat and make new friends. And then from doing that, that puts you in a good headspace. And then, you know, when uh, when Dave's whistle blows, you're kind of ready to get back out and keep, you know, continue the conversation. Um, so, yeah, so I think that's really important. And it goes to that thing. You're not, not worrying too much about, you know, how many other people there are, not worrying too much about how you're feeling, you know, just staying in the moment, getting back out there, um, trying to enjoy yourself. And then when it gets really hard, you're just in a much better place, you know, to, to deal with that uh, than if you've been, you know, talk, as, as Dave said, you know, chatting with people who are complaining about how terrible everything is bringing you down. Um, yeah, try, trying to avoid those people where you can. I watched, um, I watched Finding the Limit again in preparation for this and, Maggie, one of the things you said in that was that you keep entering Laz's races to find your limits. Are you still trying to find your limit? How do you, you know, how do you do that? Yeah, I mean, I found limits. It's it's your limit on that day. So 
like, yeah, I've had really terrible Barkley. Like, well, I've actually only started Barkley twice. I've been entered three times. And, like, I know I can do better than I've done, but, like, when I've showed up, like, those two times, that's all I could do. I mean, I thought it was cool to come back to bigs this past year after, like, finding what my limit was, like, the first year where I just couldn't, like – combat the problems that just kept coming and then you're just sleep deprived and you're like then you're thinking about it later months later and you're like well why didn't I just stretch or like why did I just ignore that and be like oh yeah I better ignore it you know like it's a long way it's, it's gonna turn into something and there's like simple solutions and then um and you know like everyone's like oh how far do you think you could have gone and I'm like I have no idea you know it we could have gone into the the first road loop and then in two laps, I could have fallen apart. Like, that's what happened with Dave. He fell apart within, like, two laps, you know? So you don't know, um, really. But, like, I mean, I had the mental mindset that I was like, we're going to go to 300 miles or whatever. But you really don't know, so. You were going 300. <laughs> if you hadn't gotten lost, we would have made it. <laughs> I, I think that if you just made it to the road, you'd have been Okay. <laughs> Yeah, Maggie, I think you definitely had 300 miles in you that day. You you were having a great, well, not day, sorry, that week. You were, <laughs> you were having a great week. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I thought Will was looking better, too, and I really thought, like, it would just come down to the next day trail because, like, did you feel like that? I mean, also, the conditions were terrible, but you felt like that trail was so much harder the third day. Like, like I just had to focus so much. It felt so technical, and... I mean, it was pouring rain and there were leaves everywhere and I was like hearing things and it was just super hard to focus. I was like, I can't, this is going to be interesting on the fourth day of trail. So I was like, you know, the road, I think we probably did the damage we did to our bodies. I don't know <laughs> if yeah. that's how it works, but I mean, a night of road, no big deal. Yeah. I mean, the weird thing for me that, that, that third day when when, you know, I, I mean, I just ran by myself pretty much the whole day, except the, the one. Yeah, it was only two of us. Yeah, well, the, the one loop, I, I came past Dave, which was like the most surprising thing I don't think I'd, I'd ever seen. I was like, wait, that's Dave. Um, oh, yeah. But, um, yeah, and so so running on that trail by myself and like it was so peaceful all day. Um, but the other thing was, even though I was struggling with, you know, especially like GI issues and everything, um, I'd get like behind in every loop and then have to, I'd, I'd notice that, oh, I'm at the V-Tree and I've only got like so many minutes to go, I'm behind. So, so I'd have to run to, to make the bell. And then I found, wait, I'm like running up that hill up to Les's house. And, you know, yesterday I was like walking up here. It was almost killing me. Now I'm running up. I don't, I don't know where this energy is coming from. So in some ways, like in terms of, you know, physically, apart from feeling sick, I actually felt pretty good. And... Uh, but yeah, but it was it was it was just the sleep just you know got to me in the end. So I don't know if if I had if I had had a bit of sleep strategy, I if I had slept at all, then uh, then yeah, I, I feel like I could have kept going on the road for some amount, but I wouldn't have gone as far as you. So you know, pro probably good. I, I stopped where I did. Well, you never know. You know what Laz told me, and I thought it was interesting because like he said that you know some because he has a lot of experience with sleep deprivation and especially RDing these races and stuff. But like he said that some times, you know, some race, some day you can sleep really well. These naps are working and other times it just doesn't. So 
you never know, I guess. Dave, you had that uh, fold-back chair with the Canadian flag uh, eye mask. Have you had uh, people asking for where you get that for, for uh, future backyard races? Look pretty good. No, no one is. No one has ever asked me about for fashion advice uh, or or anything like that before. So you're the first, Eugene, and I, <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, yeah, no, I, I I don't. I remember I brought that, and I think that was. Um, I was I was planning on, on on breaking out a speedo, like a Canadian tiny little <laughs> Canadian flag speedo, and I was going to wear that on my forehead because. You know, it's like I was going to be Captain Canada or something. And, and then Maggie would have dropped out and, and Katie, too, because, like, there's no way you guys are going to run, you know, looking at that rear end. Um, on the that was their strategy hour. they came up with at the yeah. Mexican place after we had dinner right. last the day before, the day after. Guillaume was there. Guillaume's going to wear a French one. And the whole plan was all the women are going to drop out because you just can't concentrate or something. <laughs> yeah, well, all of us men are devastatingly handsome. Have, yeah, yeah. Is it, is, is it <laughs> going to have the same effect in a video? I don't know. Well, no, and I'm not. I'm not. So, so just so you guys know, I'm not wearing it right now, so I can't can't give you a show. You know, really sorry, Katie and Maggie. I, I apologize about that. But like, so so what we what we're planning for the and of course we were not doing Big's backyard this year. You know, so I'm not going to be making my way. Guillaume, of course, from France. But we were planning on having a number of different countries wearing their specific national flags on tiny little speedos. And I, I think then we would be on the sport cover cover Sports Illustrated like that. That's 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 awesome right there. But no. Um, yeah, so I was gonna put that, you know, on my my forehead, but then in the middle of the night, um, I don't know why, but I, I needed something to cover my eyes. And uh, Travis ended up reaching in. He was like, "Oh, why not this?" So yeah, I would I would always sit in my chair in, in a lounge back that um, I don't even know what zero gravity chairs I think they're called. I think I think a lot of you guys had those too, right? And you just lounge back, and then you end up putting the the noise cancellation earphones in. And I was trying to get my, my loops done a little bit quicker. I think I think my average loop was 44 and something. There were a couple of night loops that I was doing at 35, 37s, just to get some more sleep. And I was sleeping quite well uh, at night. So, you know, I was, you know, just even earlier today, I was going back and forth with Laz and, you know, talking to him about that. And I said, you know, I, I really do think that if you end up going far, and I would be really curious to hear, you know, Katie, Will, and, and Maggie, your guys' thoughts on this. If you really want to go far... I wonder if speed is rewarded on the course to go a little bit quicker, but still be like that. Take Camille Heron so fast. Right. Um, I think that she would do really well at bigs um, because she can get down her loop pretty quick and get off her feet and, and end up getting that five or 10 minute nap almost every hour. What, what do you think? Will? do you, do you think that's uh, that, that speed is, is rewarded on a, on a course like this? I mean, I, yes, absolutely. It is. If you've got it, Right. So uh, when I was seeing you, you know, smoothly gliding uh, on those uh, as you came back, back past me every night loop, I was like, oh, that guy's going to get so much more rest than me. Uh, but then but there is a trade off. Right. Which is that the thing that I was doing on the night loops, I was coming in around 50, 51 and I could have come in about 47, but that would have meant more running. And I was purposely walking, like taking walking breaks the whole way. And if I was coming, I wanted to get to the halfway point at 25. And if I was, if I was a couple, couple minutes fast, even if I was feeling good, I would stop and walk to get there at 25. And I feel like that meant that I actually, you know, protected, you know, my legs in a way that some of those around me did not. So I think it is a trade-off. I think speed definitely is rewarded, but at the same time, 
if you are going too fast, even though it feels pretty good first note, um, you know, eventually the the, the toll just kind of uh, uh, takes its yeah takes its toll. Yeah, I think I think the impact on your body and your joints and stuff if you're going fast, even if you're you know able to keep up that pace um, comfortably from a cardiovascular point, the impact is always going to be higher. Um, so there's that trade off, isn't there? Um, I mean, you do. You're right. You're completely right. You get a lot more rest, but you're never gonna get enough extra time to get, you know, a, a full REM cycle of sleep or something. It's gonna be you know, a couple of extra minutes grabbed here and there. So whether or not that does make a, a difference at the end of the day, I don't know. It's interesting, isn't it? Because I remember, you know, at the relapse last year, and, and the gentleman Ash Putty, who was like the he was the sixth person to drop out, he'd run in a additional 255 minutes over the course of the, you know, considering I know, compared like Ian Evans. So this gentleman, he was doing 46 minute laps and his, his fastest and slowest over like a hundred miles, it was 10 seconds between, he was so consistent. He was like a machine, just boom, 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 boom. And Ash had ended up being on his feet for, yeah, over 200, 250 minutes extra, I think. So it's definitely that. It adds up. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. I guess I, I didn't really think about it too much, and I always try to do speed work no matter what, but I guess it does help to be be able to carry a certain pace relative to what you can usually do. So, like, mm. you know, I wasn't going as fast as Dave, and I was going faster than Will, but I was still getting a five-minute nap. And then, I mean, a lot had to do with my crew. They were still efficient. You know, you can mess around and spend a lot of time figuring out what you're going to eat or what you're going to look for and wear next time or whatever, but we just had it down. So we didn't waste any time. You know, it was just sleep, wake up, eat something, go like, so I think what you do with the, it, you know, your breaks as well matters, you know? Um, and like everyone has different strategies. Like, like I just waited until the first night till I was tired to sleep. Like I wasn't super tired at 10 PM. Um, and like everyone's different. It, that's the thing with other countries being there is like everyone wakes up at a different time, your natural rhythm of sleep. And so you might not be tired. And that's why I think Will was dragging during the days. And yeah, I think it's just trying to get those naps, like no matter what, like I, like Katie said, you, you're not going to get that REM sleep. Although you feel like you're pretty deep sleep at, you know, like second night. Um, and then I guess maybe like I figured not to stress about whether I was sleeping or if it was real sleep or whether it was good. Cause I think just lying down maybe and resting your eyes and brain is helpful, whether it's real sleep or not. Yeah. Sorry to add to that, Maggie as well too. Like I've done a couple six day races and I wouldn't say I've done well because I, I do terrible at six day races and sleep is, is an issue. I can't fall asleep during a six day race. And I think it's a, it's a mental thing when I'm running for like a six day race and you end up stopping and, and, and sleeping. I know that like Joe Features was out on the course doing laps, right? And so like, I know while I'm sleeping, he's, he's, he's catching up. And so I, I just couldn't rest my head. And I was thinking, okay, you need to go to sleep right now because the sleep is more important than your pace or anything else. Um, so you, you need, you desperately need to sleep. And it was, became a mental thing. I couldn't sleep during six days. So I just turned into a, a, a rotten pumpkin on day three. Um, but during backyard, you know, nobody's allowed to go before that whistle goes. And so if I get there in 45 minutes, well, okay, I might as well just close my eyes and, you know, get some sleep. Um, 
because nobody else is allowed to go. Like there's no, there's no, like whatever you're given the 15 minutes and you know, my crew will, will tap me on the shoulder and say, wakey, wakey, two minutes left to go. And you get up and you do it again. So did you guys find that that was kind of a mental thing too? Or like, well, you know, yeah, I've got trust in my crew. They're going to wake me up. So did, did you fall? Did you guys, you know, like Katie, did you find you were falling asleep near the end? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, some, you know, some loops were better than others. Right? And if there was other things that like, you know, my hip starting to play up and things that I was worried about that kind of impact my sleep, but yeah, as things were going well, yeah, drift off um, relatively easily, I think. And you're right, you just trust that uh, your crew will make sure that you're on, on the start line and ready to go. And it's quite difficult to sleep through all of those whistles, I think. Maybe the first one, but there's a few of them, aren't there? I remember Sorry. complaining during the race that Katie had an unfair advantage as like an on-call doctor. She was like, killed <laughs> at falling asleep, but like, you know. I've, I've, had a good, I've had a good amount of practice. I think right. it's weird as well, like, thinking about the whistles. Like, I've, I don't think it ever crossed my mind through any of the races that the whistle was, like, a negative thing. There was, like, I, it, I've, I've never thought of it as a, like, a struggle to get up or out of the chair or whatever. I mean, I don't have a chair. I just lie on the floor because I don't particularly like a chair anyway. But uh, it's literally until hearing other people say this, like, you know, it's this big thing getting up to the start line. It just, I don't think that's ever necessarily crossed my mind. And whether that is because I'm, I am quite used to being woken up by a phone call and getting like, so that kind of noise of something waking me up always produces kind of like a burst of adrenaline anyway. Yeah. Um, whether it's to do with that or just, I think it's, it's harder to sometimes rest than it is to necessarily be out there doing it. Um, a good strategy just in general for bigs, but like for the sleep thing, like kind of what Dave was saying in the sixth day worrying about Joe is like at any time you should not worry about anyone else and just realize people are hurting. And like, you know, when Dave runs up to you and tells you how great he slept and that he enjoyed his normal tech food, <laughs> you just think, okay, you're hurting too, whatever. And don't like worry about it. Um, like I remember crew and Courtney, two years ago and we don't know if she heard, but me and Kevin and her husband were like freaking out because we could hear Johan in the tent next to us snoring. So we knew he was getting, like he was out cold and Courtney wasn't sleeping. Um, and so like, just not to like worry about other people is like, you know, just cause the mind games become super intense when you get really tired. Um, so, and I, it's like, it's, an, it's hard to just show up on the line and feel like you feel worse than someone who looks a lot better, but I mean, if you could just tune that out. You, you can be thinking one thing completely and like, it's, it's all about your interpretation and your perception of what other people are doing. And that's really the only thing you can't control what other people are doing or how they look, but you can control how it affects you. Um, mm -hmm. that's, that's all you can really work on. Message for life. <laughs> Katie, have you got the same crew this year? Emma's running again. So, uh, <laughs> no, I don't have... <laughs> um, uh, I'm, I'm bringing a friend up who's racing as well. Um, I, who, I keep just convincing people to run instead of crew me. So my, um, the people that were supposed to be crewing me are now all running um, and uh, potentially will do very well, actually. So, um, uh, yeah, the, uh, the position is still kind of open. But... Uh.
Wow. So last year at the relapse, Katie's crew member, Emma, she did a 50 miles and then finished and then just kept coming up to the, like coming up to the start line in the middle of the night. I was doing the night shifts, coming up to the start line in the middle of the night. Like she was there every time. I couldn't work out what was going on. She had this giant beer. She was really jazzed up, you know, making me coffee. It was really like, she's just so helpful. I was like, go to bed. You just... (laughs) You know, you're done. You have a sleep. You're done. I didn't re- recognize that she was actually crewing for Katie. Like, finished her 50 miles and then straight into crewing for Katie for the next, however many, next 120k. You experienced a bit of that too, Will, at Biggs. People jumping into crew for you. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I mean, I had, I had some great friends there crewing me, and then, you know, we all expected I'd finish maybe sometime Sunday. They had to get back to work. Uh, and so on Monday, they were like, dude, we need to leave. And then at, at the same time, Maggie was concerned that I was about to collapse. So she persuaded Guillaume to come and, you know, help, help keep me going. So suddenly Guillaume and Andy, like, jumped in. And, yeah. And then I had, like, Formula, Formula One pit crew. That was <laughs> and that was great because all my decision-making was gone. I just had to show up, sit there, be a baby bird, have food put in. And then, you know, and then, then they literally picked me up and put me back on the start line. In the footage from the film, uh, Laz says to you, Will, I regret you couldn't have suffered longer, which, <laughs> I mean, there's only one circumstance that I can think of in the world where someone can say that to you and mean well. Uh, yes, indeed. I mean, that's, you know, that's why you go there, right? It's, it is to explore that. And actually, I'd, I'd made the mistake of, of telling, you know, Jason and, and Heather, who my crew, and, and, you know, Jason's like, you know, former US military. Uh, and I told him, you know, don't let me stop keep me going even even when I want to stop. And he was very well placed to do that. So, uh, so yeah, so like exploring that suffering is is pretty interesting. Um, and, you know, the deeper you go, the more interesting it gets. Well, it's good as to not have your mom come crew because they don't want to watch you suffer. <laughs> They're like, you can stop. <laughs> oh, you had your mom with you, Katie, didn't you? Oh, wow, your mom's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> she, um, yeah, it was an experience for her. Um, yeah. She, I, I think she said to me afterwards that she, she really enjoyed the experience. It was great, but I think she spent the entire weekend not really understanding most of the conversations she had. <laughs> she's not an ultra runner. She's she's sporty, but um, uh, she, she's come to a couple of road races before, um, which are obviously very different. Um, so it was uh, definitely a, a new environment for her to be thrown into, but uh, she enjoyed it. I mean, to be fair to your mum, even if she'd gone to a couple of ultramarathon races, I mean, there's that, right? And then there's like a atmospheres and then there's bigs, you know, like who, who would understand what was going on? It's like, you mean you can stop anytime you want? <laughs> you know, like that's the, that's the gist of it, isn't it, really? And, and as a, as a, it's really interesting as a race director, occasionally we'll have, like we don't have geoleaders or anything like that, you know, with, with New Zealanders, we're nice and reserved. And, and so we're generally pretty like cheerful and polite on the, on the start line, but people come through and they say, I can't believe you're making me do this. And it's like, well, I'm not making you do anything. You can stop anytime you want. You know, that's the, that's the beauty of it, right? Is the people's will to, to carry on. It's amazing. I can't believe you guys do what you do. Like it really is incredible. It's, it is phenomenal. And it's something that, uh, you know, it's just become so popular as well. Is that, I mean, that must be blowing you guys away as well, seeing how popular it's become. And, you know, Maggie, you, you sort of were mainstream media for a while there. Oh, I think that's like, well, Laz is like the Midas 
of race directors, like every race concept he comes up with is turns to gold. So, I mean, that's all Laz and his kooky thing. Cause I mean, Barkley was already notorious and whatever. And, um, I think like three years ago, the battle between Harvey and Guillaume, just because it was two of them for so long, all the ultra runners started to get really curious about it. And then the year after, when you have like a name like Courtney and then everyone knows Johan, like go that long, then people are like, oh my God, what's going on here in Tennessee? And so that's why like, you know, the third last year that we were there, like it was, had already had like a lot of attention on it and stuff. Um I mean, and like Sports Illustrated is like a pretty mainstream publication. It's not like Trail Runner or whatever. So, I mean, that made it like kind of a, a big thing. I mean, Will was a shirtless centerfold in Sports Illustrated. Do <laughs> you ever think some ultra runner would be like, in Sports Illustrated like that? Like, you know, people have never even heard of this type of thing that – would like my neighbors down the street knew about it because they get sports illustrated or something, you know, they would never know otherwise. Well, and I think that um, backyard racing as well too, is for everyone. Um, you know, we've, we like, you know, like I was mentioning before, we've put on a couple of races, according to backyard ultra and, and just even this last one, um, there were three generations of Sutherland. So a family, the, the grandfather who's 90 and then his son and then, and then his grandson. Uh, who were all running the race. And, and the 90-year-old did one lap. He got done in the 4.17 miles in 59 minutes and like, I don't know, 20 seconds or whatever. And he was like the big stud of the, the old folks home. It was so cool, right? Um, but, you know, I know so many people like during the last Quarantine Backyard Ultra as well too, um, which was only like three weeks ago, 52% um, of runners ended up running their personal best distance. How cool is that? Right. Because, mm. you know, you win else in, in a race, you can you ever have to run 4.17 miles and stop and drink and go to the washroom and you know put on blister protection and all that stuff. Change your socks, shoes, whatever. And then you keep going. So everybody is finding that, hey, wait one second, I, I can end up running further than I've ever run before by using this different style, which in fact makes me slow down or forces me to do things differently. Um, kind of taking taking your own you know negatives away from you, right? And so I think I think this race is kind of for everybody. I mean, we we had, with the quarantine backyard ultra, the first one we did, we had two thousand four hundred and some odd people on a Zoom call. Like we're seeing six people on a Zoom call right now. We have two thousand four hundred people on a Zoom call. That that's nuts, right? And so we were, you know, in Sports Illustrated again, Runners World, we were New York Times, Washington Post. Uh, Chicago Tribune, South China News, BBC, like it, it became, and so people are talking about this of like, Hey, this is kind of a cool rad way of, of racing. And, and it's not just for the Maggie's of the world who can run 60 hours. It's for the people who, who their goal is to run three hours and, and they're going out and doing that. I think it's so cool. Yeah. Also though, like, you know, Dave would smoke all of us in a race normally, but this is the only race we nor we have a chance to even run with him. Like that's what I said about Courtney. There's no effing race I would ever run with her for 36 hours and not be like, you know, my corpse is pulled by her on like a you know sled or something. <laughs> like you just run next to her. There, this is like it is. You can you can be like. There's this one guy that and he's been there two years. 
and he finishes with like a minute every time, but he hangs on way later than people who have like 20 minute breaks and stuff. Like, so it's just like, it, it is everyone's race. Like any, it could be anybody's race. It really changes that metric, doesn't it? And it, it like at say lining up at I don't know Tarawita for, for example. Like I could say that I raced with Timothy Olsen for like I don't know a minute until he, <laughs> you know, like. But in this situation, yeah, you're racing with Maggie Gutel or Dave Proctor or Will Hayward, Katie Wright. Uh, it was amazing during the lockdown here. You know, we went into a very very, very strict lockdown level four, the amount of people who got out and really explored because you could only do things by yourself, like that kind of format, it was really, really, it, it's strangely, I mean, it, it really fits the times that we're living in, eh? Yeah, in my opinion, I think like, you know, at a time of quarantine, at a time of COVID, um, like, yeah, I find it strange. I'll, I'll, you know, go hang out upstairs with my kids and, and I keep forgetting we're in the middle of a pandemic. Like this doesn't yeah. happen and this probably will never happen again in our lives, um, which is crazy. Right. But, you know, I think that the world kind of looks upon, you know, um, you know, guys like Will Hayward um, for advice and strength of how to, to, to persevere and, 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 and go on. And, 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 and because, you know, I, I don't know how things are in your guys' country, but here in Canada, we're having significant issues when it comes to mental health and well-being of, of average citizens. Um, people aren't coping well. And everybody likes to say, hey, I'm, I'm doing okay over here. They're not doing okay. You know, they're um, unemployed. Their, you know, marriages are falling apart. You know, heaven forbid you end up getting sick or you end up losing loved ones with, with COVID. Um, and so... You know, I think that people are generally looking upon ultramarathoners and saying, how do you guys endure? Like, how do you, how do you, how do you, how do you get your feet out of bed in the morning and put one foot in front of the other and, and get on with your day? And the beautiful thing about backyard is it's really not hard until it's hard, right? And so 4.17 miles is not really an impossible task until it is. And like this last digs, um, I was doing okay until I really wasn't. And then I really wasn't. And I think that that speaks a lot about mental illness and it speaks a lot about depression and loss in one's life, um, whether it comes to a job or when it comes to, um, you know, marital distress or, 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 or loss of a loved one. And so I think right now um, the world's looking for a lot of strength. And I think that we can all just look within ourselves um, and wonder how, how can I be stronger for myself and, and how, how do I, how can I learn that when life gets really hard one day, um, because it will be hard, you know, there, there will be pain and suffering and agony in all of our, all of our lives. And how, what can I do today being in this comfortable state that I am in, um, to learn how to persevere when it's, when times become really important for me to, to dig in and, and be, be tougher than what I need to be today. Sorry, that sounded like a, a, a total, um, uh, you know, speech and, and stuff, but yeah, no, I, I think that overall people are looking upon endurance athletes to, uh, to kind of show the way in 2020. Well said, you know, and, and it's, it's the thing, it touches upon, you know, like no matter what's happening with the pandemic, it's everything else that's going on because life doesn't, unfortunately, life doesn't stop, right? That's the, that's the complex thing with it, just, you know. Katie, do you ever tell your patients what you've done, what you, what you do? Um, patients, not so much. Some of them have Googled me actually before they come to see you and, um, that less medicine comes up and more, uh, running. So some of them come in and already knowing and bring it up, but, uh, yeah. 
I, I don't tend to bring it up with people. I've just started bringing it up with um, people at work and they already think I'm uh, crazy enough is the uh, general response. But yeah. um, That's sorry, the doctor that we all want to go to, though, the one that's like, oh, you know, when I run 150 miles, this hurts and something's not right or something. And they're like, don't mm-hmm. do that. But like Katie would be like, oh, okay, <laughs> let's you know, like when I work on that problem, but you can still run. <laughs> yeah. Well, when I went to like, luckily Durango, people are really active. And so like, I went to tell the doctor, like, so we went on this fast pack thing and we were like above 12,000 feet for most of the time. And we did like a bunch of climbing over, you know, this many hours and I couldn't breathe. And that's not normally how it is. And, and, you know, like any other city, I think there would have been like, yeah, it's not weird, <laughs> but like, because the doctor is a runner and everyone here is pretty active and they climb mountains, like it was fine. But, but yeah, you always want to get a, a runner doctor. I think if you're have some weird problems. So like uh, one of my friends, good friends, Pam Smith, she's this runner here. She's one Western States. And um, she was saying how like uh, this one runner went to the hospital after and ended up getting um, an IV and they kept her overnight. And Pam said that like, if any one of us went to the ER after one of these races, they would admit all of us if they are not seeing that. He's like, you'll be fine. (laughs) You know, I've even asked her, I was like, I think I'm peeing blood. And she's like, if you're still peeing blood in the morning, then maybe check it out. But like, you're fine. So, you know, I think just you'll have to be used to seeing these. <laughs> we were talking about it on our run today, Katie. I was sort of regaling uh, our friends Sean and Daniel about how you had to go to the emergency room uh, for your, the, the throat issue that you had and, and how basically you were like, I'm a doctor, give me this. I know what I've done is, in, is, is out of your reality because, I mean, the doctor was quite taken aback by you know. I, yeah, I don't think I told you guys this because I think this happened on the um, final day after we'd all said goodbye. But I ended up going to an urgent care centre in Tennessee to um, get some treatment for because I'd, I'd been sipping on uh, sugar for too long and developed all thrush. So I was like, I know exactly what I need. It's like a really easy diagnosis. You can like see it in my mouth. Um, and this doctor just was like, because it's not something that people normally um, normally get. Um, normally you, you get it because you're diabetic or you've got, um, you're immunocompromised or something. So, um, the doctor was like, well, you're, you know, young, fit, healthy, what, like what's happening. Um, and took me through this whole, like, and I said, oh, well, I, you know, I've just been running for, you know, two days, um, sipping on sugar continuously. Like that's a reasonable reason. And he just didn't believe me. I think, uh, he gave me this very blank look and went through a whole rigmarole of tests and he wanted to do some blood tests as well. And I was like, look, if you do some blood tests, you will send me to the emergency department and I'm not going to go and do that. So, um, I had to like sign this waiver to say that, um, I was accepting my own uh, responsibility for my my own health and was refusing medical tests. <laughs> but he gave me what I needed in the end. So that was in Tennessee, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it. yeah, that's... You remember all the cars like that drove by that were probably like, what the hell are these people doing? Like, people don't run there, especially not in right. Laz's town. They yeah, Maggie, do you remember... It was in the middle of the night, I think on the second night, and... And, you know, there was a cop car that was coming yeah. down and you, you and I were talking and was like, I really hope they don't pull us over. 
and like, they, hey, get in the back. Pull, like, I, I, we can't go in the back, right? They, who do they pull up to first? And then I think by the time they got to me, they were like, you good? Or I was first. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Then they hung out. They went up to Liza. They went up to Liza and they were like, what's going on? And he told them. And then they were like, they hung out for like a few laps, I think. Right. Yeah. I, I had a lengthy conversation with him. He came up, he rolled down the window and I was like, He's like, hey, man, you, you good? You need some water? And I'm like, no, no, no. And he's like, so, so you've been running for, for a couple of days? I said, yeah, yeah, you know, up, up ahead is, the, you know, is, you know, Gary Cantrell's, you know, house. And we run out from there. We run around his. So I, I kind of told him, he's like, that sounds really cool. And I said, yeah, it's, I, I, I think it's cool, I guess. He's like, okay, cool. Have, have, have fun. Be safe. And that was, that was the end of that. It was pretty funny, very odd. I was like, but don't, don't, don't make me stop, right? Because because then you're done, right? Yeah, yeah. He doesn't need um permits, I guess, because everything's on his yard, and I mean, it's a public road. So, I mean, I think that's one of the reasons that it's it's a promising that maybe bigs will happen in a smaller capacity locally. We'll see. I, I think I think I, now I think I remember why the, the cops came by is because. There was a, a, dog. a dog. There was a dog yeah. that was loose, and it like it was bit down somebody by the or cars where the parking area was. There was like right. a dog going around, like biting people or something. I don't know. Right. Somebody called them by, and yeah, yeah. But I, I don't necessarily blame the dog. I blame the the gazillion idiot runners that are running around irritating the dog for two and a half days. So yeah, I don't blame the dog. I blame I blame all you. It's. <laughs> Yeah. Can anyone answer me this? And it might be a bit of an esoteric question. Is Gary Cantrell related to uh, Jerry Cantrell, who is the guitar player for Alice in Chains? Mm, he, I, I mean, know. he might. He might. No, so Cantrell is a very, very popular name down yeah. there. Right. But I would have to say that Gary is more hardcore than 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 his potential cousin or brother then. I'm just, just saying Oh, no, it's, 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 yeah, yeah. Jerry, he's the guitar player in Alice in Chains. If you want to work that into the conversation next time you talk to him, Dave, a little bit right. of trivia. That'd be a, that'd be a good nugget. But oh, yeah. that's just, that's just me. He probably is. He may, he may be. He may be. They might be fun. I've never asked Laz to play the guitar for us. You know, he could be, he maybe could, he, he is. Maybe he doubles as a, as yeah. a lead guitarist setting up last year you had some like heavy metal band t-shirt on i swear like <laughs> i don't remember what the band was but i was like oh that's different <laughs> right yeah that's awesome he probably, yeah, he probably requested it in one of his races right oh, yeah. well, I, I him. <laughs> he's got he's got 20 20 of them in a box in his house all yeah. right everyone well look i mean thank you so much for for jumping on the zoom call it absolute last minute it's been an absolute pleasure and a privilege to catch up with you all thank you will for for uh being yeah. the instigator it was amazing absolutely and i i just wanted to you know see these guys again so i thought how can we how can we make that happen and you know maggie good luck with courtney have fun and uh it sounds like an incredible adventure will i mean you gotta get out some more typhoon running what have you got coming up anything uh no a kind of fat ass hundred miler at the end of september hopefully um yeah Right now we're all running in masks up here. There's like a mandatory mask wearing indoors and outdoors, uh, and it's also midsummer, so that's. It must be super easy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's good. Like they say, like heat training is like poor man's altitude. So when you combine that with wearing a mask, it's like we're that's like the really worst. Super hard rock. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
so yeah, <laughs> apart from that, nothing else. And Dave, you're going to keep on quarantine backyarding and getting out of Yeah, yeah, keep on keeping on. We've been getting a lot of requests for another quarantine backyard, um, but we're going to be broadcasting this, this um, you know, the bigs, Backyard Pandemic Edition, or whatever the hell is calling it. Um, and then I'm going to be racing that as well, too. So put together a Canadian team and uh, and hopefully do well. So we'll, yeah, we'll see. So i got to build up my fitness leading up into that. Fantastic. And Katie, I'm going to get to see you in a couple of weeks. I'm so excited. I know yeah. the girls are as well. It's going to be cool. Yeah, I can't <laughs> wait. It'll be a, a good group up there. Hang out in the forest. Okay. Can we well, follow along um, on your backyard anywhere online? Absolutely. So it'll be on, uh, it'll be through the website. We'll have an event thing. I mean, it is, it's in the woods. So the, there is challenges with that. You know, everyone, as it gets closer to the hour, we're kind of running around with sticks, hitting people, telling them to get off their phones so we can get a bandwidth. Like, I think we might get an aerial this time. Like it's literally, it's at the bottom of what's called Ararimu Valley. It's, it's really in, in, so, but yeah, there will be an ability to follow along. We can follow uh, Courtney's tracker, I believe as well. Yeah. See how you're going. Live vicariously yeah, through that for you. When she starts. Yep. It's brilliant. Excellent. Thank All you right. so much. Thanks, everyone. Sweet. Thank, Thank you, everyone. Thanks. Good seeing you. Nice to Bye. see you all. I, yeah, that wasn't. I, I, I'm still 24 hours later just kicking myself. Um, Why? Because that was. A, a mad moment, you know, and who? Oh, kicking have, yourself in a good way. Yeah, not like kicking, oh, like stupid, stupid, see, stupid, but I just see, like or pinching myself, yes. maybe kicking pinching myself, yourself. pinching myself. Yeah. Stop the kicking, um, more pinching, more self-love, everyone. Uh, yeah. PMA, but the just how mad that was, and how cool that was, and just the I really like, and it typifies, and they all said it independently when we interviewed them, and they all said it together. The how they were competing against each other, but they became a part of something that was much larger than themselves. Yeah, and that, and that absolutely shone through in just their camaraderie. I mean, yeah. I was trying to think, could you get the top four in many races together and have a conversation like that? Probably not. Probably not, right? You know, and they remember that they were, well, most of them were strangers to each other. Absolutely. Until October last year. And yet they just hit it off and they were fantastic fun and really insightful and really inclusive of each other. There was mm-hmm. no egos on display, was there? No. And it's, and you look yeah. at it, <laughs> it's incredible. I, and, you know, it's we've met two of them in the flesh. Uh, we've been lucky enough to do that, you know. And Will and Katie are two of the most yeah. humble. And even thinking about their professional life, like Katie's a doctor of medicine, Will's a doctor of psychology, the dean of a university. No egos. Mm. You know, Maggie mm. and Dave. Top flight, elite runners, mm. just no ego, just the most fantastic people. Good so human beings. Thank you so I feel much. very privileged to have yeah. that conversation. Right. And thank you to you for tuning in. Yes, you. We're on social media at Dirt Church Radio, and you can email us, dirtchurchradio at gmail.com. You can also find us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and other podcast platforms, and you can download direct from the website, dirtchurchradio.com. If we are not where you want us to be, let us know, and don't forget to subscribe and rate us. And if you would like us... I don't know. If, if you like, like what you see, yeah, just spread the love. 
It would be great if as many people as possible heard the show, and for that, we need your help. Don't forget to write in with your greatest run ever. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks to our sponsors, Scott Running, Further Faster, Spring Energy, and Cielli. I'm sitting here in my new Cielli hat, which is based on the concrete pattern of the Montreal Olympic Stadium, which is both preposterous and beautiful. And thank you <laughs> to our Patreon patrons and Wild Things. Thank you to our editor, Karen. We have got a great guest lined up for next week. Tune in And then. the week after. Yeah, absolutely. Tune in then. Kakite. Kakite. Thanks, Rippy. <laughs> <laughs>